everybody. This is the Walking Mall Podcast, and I am your host, Jalon Martz. Um, for any newbies, welcome, welcome. We're so glad that you're tuning in. Um, and for all of my regulars, thanks so much for coming back. Um, it's the month of December. We've been talking about self-care. Uh, the first week of December, we spent a lot of time just sort of establishing, like, what is self-care? What do we mean by that? Is that even biblical? And yes, the answer to that is yes, self-care is definitely very biblical. Um, Jesus really laid out a wonderful kind of follow-up to God's whole sixth day and then seventh day he rested sort of thing um, that Jesus oftentimes drew away after preaching and spending time ministering and encouraged his disciples to do the same. But also, um, he kind of called us into the same thing. If any of you are tired or weary, worn out, come learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. It's not anything harsh or ill-fitting. It will refresh your soul. Um, Psalms 23, like it, the scripture is honestly kind of replete with this idea of taking care of yourself, resting, recharging, and refueling. So we did that the first week of December. The second week, last week, we talked about um, mental and emotional self-care, which is very near and dear to my heart. I just sort of love helping people kind of establish better patterns and behaviors when it comes to mental and emotional self-care. And so we talked about kind of the domains of that. What does that look like? It looks like resting, recreating, loving yourself, because, you know, the scriptures talk about love your neighbor as yourself. So if you don't know how to love yourself, you're probably not doing a great job of loving other people. Just saying. Um, but loving yourself and kindness and compassion and watching the way that you talk to yourself in your head, because we all have got self-talk going on. Um, and most of that should be positive and should be word filled. But oftentimes it's degrading. And we're talking about how bad we are at X, Y and Z and how we'll never be whatever. But um, we should really be encouraging ourselves because um, that's the only way to be built up. So we talked a little bit about that. Today, I'm excited to talk about spiritual self-care, which I don't know if that sounds weird. I don't know. I think it's just one of those things of like how to keep a healthy spirit. Um, And it's real basic, not comprehensive or exhaustive in any way. But just some things that I've learned kind of um, as far as making sure that my spirit is in good condition. And so um, spiritual self-care is really about guarding and building your strength, like the strength of your spirit. Um, or your fullness, kind of that overflow of, of just being full in the spirit and knowing like when you're on 10 in the spirit versus when you're on like zero or negative five. Um, so it's really about building up your strength and guarding and maintaining that strength and about reducing the interactions, the the forces or whatever that kind of erode at that strength. That's really what the goal of spiritual self-care is. Um, and so I kind of want to go through some scriptures just to establish a foundation And then we'll kind of jump into what does that look like for the believer, right? Okay, so starting at 1 Timothy 4, 7. I like the Amplified, guys. So I'm reading from the Amplified. And it says, but have nothing to do with irreverent folklore and silly myths. Um, And so this is like Timothy, um, the books of Timothy 1 and 2 are letters between Paul and Timothy. Um, And so we've got Paul's letters, not so much Timothy's, but... um, 
these are Paul kind of talking to his spiritual son about how to live life and do ministry and all that good stuff. And so he's kind of telling him the things he's warning him of what to stay away from. It's going to follow up with what to do instead. Right. So we're staying away from irreverent folklore and silly myths. On the other hand, it says discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness and in brackets in the amplified, it says keeping yourself spiritually fit. I love that analogy. I love the analogy of keeping yourself spiritually fit. You know, it's December, we're running up on January, we're going to all have these goals that we're starting and things to do and people to be in 2018. And a lot of us are going to have um, physical health goals, myself included, because, you know, this whole exercise thing has eluded me thus far. But anyway, um, spiritually fit, you know, like I said, a lot of us are going to be like, I need to get in the gym, I want to work out, I want to have a a regular routine or I want to run a 5k, whatever, you know, your goal is, um, the scriptures talk about being spiritually fit, you know? And so like your spirit woman, your spirit man is inside of you. Um, and is it flabby, you know, like, is your spirit person strong or is it weak? Is it sitting on the couch eating potato chips? You know, what does that look like for you if you had to rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10? How spiritually fit are you? Are you, Do you have muscles? Have you exercised yourself in godliness? Um, which is another translation of 1 Timothy 4, 7. Are you exercising your spiritual muscles, you know, to, you know, walk in the fruit of the spirit, walk in love, joy, peace, and patience, and all the others? Are you full of self-control or is your, you know, fuse short and the blowout high? Like, what does that look like for you? Is What is your spirit? What shape is your spirit person in? So that's the first sort of scripture. We're supposed to be keeping ourselves spiritually fit, right? And then another Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.21. And um, this is just sort of talking about how we sort of regulate ourselves and our lives. Um, and so the scripture says, in the well-furnished kitchen, there are not only crystal goblets and silver plates, but waste cans, so trash bucket, buckets, um, and compost buckets. Some containers used to serve fine meals, others to take out the garbage. Become the kind of container God can use to present any and every kind of gift for his guests for their blessing. And so, again, sort of this idea of how are you taking care of yourself? What are you representing? Are you putting, are you investing in your spirit so that it's ready for the master's use? It's one, one translation of the scripture says fit and noble for the master's use, um, prepared for every good work. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Is your spirit in good condition? What does that look like for you? Would you say you're like a four or a seven? How how prepared are you to be used by God to do all the great things he wants to do within and through you? So that's that. The next verse, Proverbs 31. I obviously love Proverbs 31. Um, but I like this verse particularly for this idea of like spiritually staying fit. So Proverbs 31, 17 in the Amplified says she equips herself with strength and in brackets, it reads spiritual, mental and physical fitness for her God given task and makes her arm strong. Um, and I just want to hone in on this idea of she she equips herself with strength. Some verses say she dresses herself in strength. Other verses sort of say she wraps herself in strength um, and that that strength is broken down into spiritual, mental and physical fitness. Right. And we spent the first two weeks of December talking about the physical and mental, but her goal is also to be spiritually strong. Um, and so, you know, we're in this sort of wave of health awareness, health care sort of like thing in America, at least, where we've got a lot of people that are going vegan, a lot of people that are, you know, trying out different ways to exercise and um, work out and 
we've got CrossFit and we've got group fitness and we've got um, personal trainers. We're, we're doing Zumba. We've got all sorts of ways to exercise and get fit and stay healthy. Um, and so to just sort of put the idea or I guess put the the sort of insert spiritual fitness sort of into that framework so that you kind of can make a parallel that our spirit man is supposed to be built up, you know, um, when the scriptures talk about praying in the spirit so that our inner man is constantly being built up, rises up like an edifice. Um, but just laying that foundation, like begin to think about spiritual wellness, spiritual self-care under sort of the same framework that you would physical self-care and physical strength and wellness, right? So those are our verses, spiritual self-care, physical self-care, mental and emotional self-care. These are biblical things. Um, and if you're still kind of wondering, like, are you sure? You can obviously go back to, um, I think it's episode 17 is the first in December, first episode of December. And we really established like, yeah, taking care of yourself is very, very, it's very spiritual, very biblical. Anyway, I digress. So I want to give you guys some ABCs of spiritual self-care. Talk about some ways to know that you're probably off in your spirit and need to um, maybe insert some better practices. So we'll talk about ABCs, some service light alerts of your spirit, and then some best practices to sort of help you stay on track, get on track, or loop back around and and be where you want to be. So ABCs. So I say ABCs of self-care because you never graduate from the ABCs. You use them. They're building blocks, right? You use them from the time that you learn them until the time that you die. You just never graduate from them. Um, And so I have two kind of spiritual disciplines that I would call ABCs of spiritual self-care. And the first is having a quiet time. Um, And I always kind of want us to have like a more adult word for like quiet time because it sounds, I just feel like this little kid with like a stool sitting over and like praying, which I guess is fine, but I just, it just sounds sort of odd. I guess sometimes it'd be like, oh, I'm going to go have my quiet time, you know, for especially people that don't know what that means. Non-believers are like, what are you doing? But I consider quiet time sort of like, not I consider, I really believe that quiet time is like an ABC, basic building block of Christian wellness. Um, so Bible reading, prayer, worship, all of those, you don't graduate from those. But, um, I read a statistic that said like maybe 60% of believers are not like reading their Bibles on a daily basis. Um, which was kind of like, whoa, that's crazy. And not to say that I don't struggle with that consistent time, but just like that stat was like so big, like, oh my goodness, what do you mean? You know, I don't like when I miss my days. It's just not, I don't like it. I don't like when I don't get a full hour. And that's, that has been sort of like a struggle bus, no condemnation kind of thing, like flow with the grace, Jalon. But um, just the notion that that's not something that you skip and it's really not anything that you can do without. Um, I can always trace, you know, spirit being spiritually off to, okay, what does my time in the word look like? What does my time before the father look like? What does my time in worship look like? I can always check that intake and kind of measure it against what's, what's, you know, going wrong and what's off in me and be like, yeah, I'm not getting enough word. I need to up it. You know, Mm-mm, I didn't have enough, didn't take, I need to go back in my prayer closet. I can always look back basically at the time that I'm spending with God and go, this is where I fell off. This is where the problem lies. And I, and I make that adjustment. Um, but you know, like this is sort of your core. When I talk about, you know, um, basic building blocks, think of like an exercise program. Again, if you don't have core strength, it's very hard to develop any other kind of strength. Um, because core strength is really what gives you the balance. It, It keeps you up to be able to, 
Um, start working on, you know, your legs, start working on your arms and your extremities and things like that. If your core is off, bad posture, back pain, um, spinal stuff, like you need a strong core. Um, and so if your core is off, it's like, you know, if your heart is sick, everything else is going to be sick. Um, but this is where your strength is built in the time before the Lord in the time where you're praying in the time where you're worshiping, you're getting filled back up with, um, strength. You're getting filled back up with encouragement. You're getting built up in him to be able to go, to pour out, to engage, to be light, to be salt in the earth. Um, and when we are empty, we don't fulfill that function. And when we're not fulfilling our function, we ourselves are not fulfilled. It's just like this cyclical kind of thing. Um, but beyond that, um, John 15, four through six, I believe, talks about he is the vine, we are the branches. When we're disconnected from him, we cannot produce. We are nothing without him. And that scripture is not there just for he he's and ha ha's. Like it's telling you this is the nature of our relationship with the Lord. He exhales, we inhale. Like that is how we live. In him, we live, move and have our being. And so when we're disconnected from him, just like a flower being cut from a bush, it's only a matter of time. That was what happened in the garden, right? God said, you'll surely die. Satan said, no, you won't. They believed Satan, um, but they did die spiritually. And so like a bathtub, my spiritual dad talks about this often, like a bathtub that was full of Zoe life, of the life of God. Um, it was like someone pulled a plug and that that life just started to drain slowly out of them. Um, and so they did not necessarily die physically, but they died spiritually. And the spirit is the is the substance. The spirit is what's real. And so because that was what, what happened in the spirit realm, you began to see the effects of that in the natural because the spirit puts an impression, impresses upon the natural what is. Um, and so in that we are the exact same way when we're not vitally united, as the Amplified says, to God, to our source. It's just a matter of time before the life drains out of us. And so it's important that we're spending that time in the word, spending that time praying, spending that time worshiping to get filled and to be built up and to receive strength from the Lord. Um, a lot of people I know kind of are like, okay, what does that even mean? What does it look like to spend time with the Lord? Personally, um, my quiet time kind of looks a little bit different. Sometimes I'm just sort of like, blah, and giving God everything, kind of just listening. Um, sometimes it's a full-on worship session. Um I try always, because that's kind of like the thing, the meat, I try always to be in the word. Um, and sometimes it's like studying hardcore, like going back and forth between a bunch of different places. And sometimes it's just meditating on one scripture and really allowing the Lord to open my brain up to really hear what he's saying about that in my life. And so it looks those sort of ways, but I always try to incorporate some sort of prayer and some sort of reading. Worship can sort of happen on the fly and, and sort of sporadically for me. Um, but I, like prayer and, and Bible reading, I try to make sure that those things happen. Um, Heather Lindsay is a phenomenal um, woman blogger pastor of a church in Atlanta, Georgia, but she's got a really great online presence and social media and her website and things like that. But she's done a, um, I guess a blog, an article where she talks about how to spend time with God. And I can include that in the show notes for you guys so that you can have access to that. Cause it's a pretty good resource of like just breaking down ways to, to spend your time with the Lord. Sometimes, you know, before you can have a structure established or sometimes when you're like, I need to go back to structure. It's a really great, it offers a lot of great ideas on, on how to spend that time and, you know, how to get the most out of spending time with the Lord so that you don't feel lost. Um, but quiet time is big. And the other thing, um, oh, one of these, um, let's see, Proverbs 31. I didn't read it to you guys. I don't think I did. Um, Proverbs 31, 15 
It says she rises while it is yet night and gets spiritual food for her household and assigns her maids their task. Um, this is also, it kind of reiterates what I just said about, you know, spending time with the Lord that you are being built up. But I love that it kind of um, pairs again. Maybe we talked about this. It pairs <laughs> the idea of spending time with the Lord, but also getting wisdom for your day. Um I think I told you guys a couple weeks ago, if not last week, I have my Bible and my planner kind of sitting on the table with me when I do my quiet time. Because I was finding that a lot of times things would just kind of bubble up and be like, oh, you got to do that. Oh, you got to do that. And I used to think that was like the worst thing ever. Cause it's like, oh my gosh, no, you know, this is, this is a distraction. It's the devil trying to steal my time with the Lord. But God cares about the natural things in your life. God cares about the things that are on your heart. And he wants you to represent him well in life in the natural things. And so he's going to remind you of that bill that you need to pay or that person you need to reach out to because that's, his business too. He's in all of it. None of it is holy or unclean. It's all holy to him. And so, um, that's a, that's a really huge benefit. Like knowing that the Lord is, is interested in the things that are going on in your life that are just daily, non-eternal kind of things. They feel non-eternal anyway. Um, but that you're getting spiritual food, you're being fed at the beginning of your day to be able to go and live your life and, and represent him well in the world. Um, so yeah, spend time with the Lord. The second thing that I really believe in is fellowship and accountability. Fellowship and accountability really kind of function as like your firewall. So while you're reading and you're spending time with the Lord, you're having your quiet time, you're staying connected. Fellowship would be like going to church, being in Bible study, small group. Um, and this fellowship also sort of doubles as accountability. So not everybody is going to be like your accountability partner or whatever. Um, you'll have the people that you fellowship with in a corporate body, you know, do not forsake the assembly, assembling together of yourselves. Um, but you'll also have those people within a congregation or a body or wherever you kind of connect, um, that are kind of walking with you through life that you can turn to and go, Hey, this has happened in my life. Please be praying or, Hey, I am struggling with this. Can you just, you know, check in on me from time to time to make sure that I'm taking care of this. Oftentimes accountability, um, really help to offer support when like your spirit is sick, because sometimes when your spirit is sick, you're not in the, <laughs> you're not really kind of like trying to make it better sometimes, or you, you just have a breach in the wall. And so you don't want to just trust yourself to fix it. Like that's not the model that the Lord Jesus discipleship. That's just not the model. Um, you want to be able to look to other people and say, Hey, I'm struggling. Keep me from doing dumb. <laughs> you know, Hey, I'm struggling. Help me get back on the right path. And a lot of times accountability will kind of force you to answer the question. Do you really want to get better? You know, if you're like, Hey, hold me accountable to make sure that I'm reading my Bible and someone goes, all right, I'm going to call you every morning for the next two weeks at 6 a.m. If you consistently <laughs> don't pick up the phone, I mean, you may not really be in the place where you're trying to get better. And that's just something that you have to be honest with yourself about. Um, but accountability will force you to really answer that question. Like, how how bad do I want to change this behavior or get stronger in this area? Because if I'm looking to open myself up to other people that are going to hold me accountable, that are going to ask me the tough questions, um, then I better be real ready for that. That better be really what I want. Otherwise, I'm wasting everybody's time. But even that's a mirror for you to be real with yourself and say, either I do or I don't want to get better or get stronger or whatever. And that's just, it's not, it's just what it is. Um, and so accountability and fellowship are huge. They're awesome partners with your own quiet time. Um, 
a lot of times having counsel, people to run things through is just, it's one of my favorite things <laughs> that God has ever created. And one of his best ideas by far was just counsel of other people. Um, and so accountability, fellowship, you have people that are smarter and wiser than you that have walked roads ahead of you to be able to kind of say, hey, is this a good idea? You know, they might be on the 54th floor of life and you're on the 25th. They have a vantage point that you don't have. It can see out farther and wider than you can. And it's really awesome that you can just run things through them. And, you know, the things that you freak out about, sometimes they'll be like, it's not a big deal. That's just life. The things that you're you're like, I'm going to do this. They could be like, whoa, whoa, slow up. That's a no, you know, so. Um, it's really awesome and really good for your spirit to have people that you can um, use as guardrails in your life that are encouragement to you as well, that you, you're running the race and doing life with, that you can open yourself up with and really just see the body work as it's supposed to, each member sort of supplying each other with strength and with encouragement. So it's just a really beautiful picture. So um, these are basics. Having quiet time where you're praying, you're worshiping, you're reading the word, you're getting filled and built back up and having people around you that are doing the same to kind of be tools in the Lord's hand to chisel and and bring forth the you that he sees that he's designed you to be and the you that he desires to be is is basic, is like foundational to having um, a whole spirit, a spirit that's in, in fit and good condition. Um, so I want to talk to you guys about service checks. So some ideas or not necessarily ideas, um, just some things to be on the lookout for. So like when your car needs to be serviced, a light comes on. Right. Um, and so these are a couple of those things that are kind of like spiritual service lights, um, that I kind of want to run through really quick that I, these are ones that I'm very familiar with (laughs) you may have others. Um, but I wanted to touch on these because these are kind of like the big ones that jump to my mind when we talk about just, you know, spirit sickness, um, unforgiveness and offense big ones. Um, and the gospels really spend a lot of time talking about forgiving, releasing, letting it go, um, forgive such so you may be forgiven and all of that, you know, and I talked last week about they that love thy law are not easily offended. Um, and the guy that owed like $5 million versus the guy that owed $5 and just how they were treated differently when they withheld forgiveness, um, or the consequences for withholding forgiveness. Um, And so unforgiveness and offense really just block up the flow. Like if your heart, if you were like a pipe, if you were pipes, which you're not, but if you were, unforgiveness would be like a clog in a pipe. And so the Lord's love wants to flow through you, his blessings, his favor, the honor that comes from him only. He wants to give all of that to you. But when you refuse to forgive, it's just, it kind of is like, what? You know, he's given you so much. He's freely given you so much by forgiving you. And now you want to deny other people that which makes your, which God, by way of which God is trying to make your life so good. What? That doesn't, hmm? you're not even qualified to be in that position. Like while you were still in sin, he came. Like, I don't think you understand. You are a beneficiary of the forgiveness that you are trying to withhold from others. All kinds of backwards. Um, and so unforgiveness is a sign of soul sickness. Like your light is on. You need to check that and work through that with the Lord and forgive. Um, Mark eleven twenty five, So good. It says, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him or her. Drop the issue, let it go, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions and wrongdoings against him and others. Um, a lot of times when we are not willing to forgive people, it's because we lack revelation of our need for forgiveness. That's And that goes in just any other areas. When we're, you know, like, I'm not going to extend mercy here, it's because you think you don't need mercy. When you're not going to be kind, it's because you think you don't need kindness. And with forgiveness, it's the same way. When you think, like, you are not in need of forgiveness, 
that's typically when you are short on it with other people. But God is always forgiving us. Um, always, always, always extending his mercy, his love and forgiveness. And because that is the kind of God we serve, because that is the way that he is towards us, who are we and how dare we not extend that same forgiveness to other people? So unforgiveness and offense, holding on to stuff, it's a no-go. Spirit sickness is definitely happening and present in your in your body, in yourself, in your soul, in your spirit. Anyway, the other one um, is discontentment. And me and discontentment are old, not current friends. We're ex-friends, ex-buddies. Um, as a single person, I think I struggle with discontentment and sometimes still do on occasion. But as a young 20-something who wants to have her life figured out already, discontentment is like a beast. (laughs) It's always kind of like, they're like, oh, this is an opportunity to be dissatisfied with the way that your life is and the life season that you're in and what you don't have and how much progress you haven't made, you know. Um, And discontentment is truly a sign of soul sickness. And I don't mean sickness in the way of like, it's fatal, you're dying, you're a bad Christian. I just mean sick in the way of like, hey, there's something there that you need to address. Um, And at some degree, in some levels, we all have some of this happening. And so obviously these are things that we should all be working on. But discontentment is, as my pastor says, a tough little man. (laughs) Um, And it's really just about, being faithful with your portion, you know, contentment is about being faithful with your portion. Um, a lot of times when discontentment is present, it's because there's idolatry in your heart that you think that there's something that would ultimately increase your life and make it, you know, a thousand times better. Um, when in reality, all you need is Jesus (laughs) and not in a way that like stuff is bad. Um, but when he's not, when he's off center, when he's not in the center, idolatry is taking place and you're just discontent. You're mad with how everything is and how the food's not hot and doesn't taste right. And your shoes don't fit your feet and they've got better shoes and all of that kind of stuff. Madam Blueberry is an excellent, excellent, um, story about what happens when you're discontent and how it just makes you unhappy when it's not really stuff that you need. Um, uh, let's see. Philippians 4 is one of my favorite verses to kind of apply when it comes to discontentment. And I believe it's verse 11 through 12, but Paul is saying, you know, I've learned how to be content whether I have a ton or nothing at all. And I think what really set me free in that area is the idea that Paul had to learn that that little one word I have learned, I guess that's three words, (laughs) Um, but I have learned how to be content. Um, it's something that you learn how to do. It's something that you kind of submit to the Lord in daily as often as you're struggling with it. Like, Lord, show me how to be content. Um, another verse that I absolutely love when it comes to discontentment is um, Psalms 97, 11. It talks about light is sown all along the pathway of the godly. And so in times where I'd be wrestling with how just I'm, I just want more and better and I can't believe I haven't, you know, moved forward in something, um, that verse has always challenged me. Um, that one. And then Psalm 34, 10, where it talks about, um, you lack no good thing. Those are the Lord lack no good thing. It challenges me because it's, um, it's presenting a reality that I don't believe in. (laughs) You know, I believe that I'm lacking tons of good things and the scriptures are saying, no, no, you don't. And so I have to adjust my perspective and shift my, have my paradigm shift. Um, because if, if the word is saying that I have good, I need to be looking around for that good. It's clearly, it's clearly me, not him, you know, one of those sort of things. And then Matthew six thirty three, seek ye first the kingdom and all these things will be added. So again, 
if my focus is off, if God is not in the center, then I am most likely, it's again, it's me. <laughs> my focus is off. I am not seeking, you know, the, the principal thing, the needful thing, the important thing. Um, and so I need to adjust. And that's just been really good for my spirit, my heart, my soul, my mind to go. It's not God. It's not your reality. It's that you are not perceiving what's true or you're not valuing what, what is there. And so, um, it's always a good kind of like heart jab, like get it together, get it together, Jalon. So that those are some verses that I really love as far as discontentment goes. All right. So another sort of spiritual service light would be that you're um, lacking in endurance. And by that, I mean, sometimes you're snippy. Um, sometimes when pressure comes, you, you know, you quickly sort of choose the flesh over walking in the fruit of the spirit. Other times it's that you just, you collapse into temptation. Um, you just kind of fold really quick with very little resistance or kind of, you don't really put up a fight. And for that, you know, uh, the scriptures talk about if you fail in the day of adversity, your strength is very small. Um, and that's sort of like a chest, chest jab, like, Hey, pull it together. Um, that, yo, the kingdom does suffer violence, but the violent take it by force, you know? So while, yes, there is craziness happening and yeah, it's rough out here for a Christian, um, but ultimately greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So when it comes to a lack of endurance, um, this is really, like I said, one of the more alarming kind of feelings or service lights in your spirit. Um, and you've really kind of got to pause and go, what's going on? You know, what's happening in me? Why am I in this place? Um, and sometimes it might just be you're, you're lacking, you're not getting enough word. Um, one of the things that I've had to be mindful of in this season of my life as I am doing a Bible study and podcasting and teaching and kind of pouring out in those ways is that I've got to sort of up my intake of the word. Like I've got to be mindful that I keep my spirit man full because I'm pouring out so much. Um, we don't prioritize the word. A lot of times we can get in this place where we're feeling apathetic or we're feeling hopeless or we're discontent or disillusioned or, you know, we kind of, you know, say I, I'm, I'm, I'm burnt out. I'm tired. I don't, I don't have anything else to give. Um, and we talked about being burnt out last week, but you know, you can go back and listen to that if you want. <laughs> But in our spirit, man, these are all sort of warning signs. It's saying, hey, some maintenance needs to happen. Some things need to change. You need to look at your levels. Are you getting enough word? You know, what's happening on the inside of you? And sometimes these things are, are the results of behavior or beliefs. I'm sorry, not necessarily behaviors, but beliefs sort of shifting around in our heart. Um, one of the things that I've also had to be very mindful of is getting offended at God in my heart, um, feeling like, you know, something didn't work out and I was believing him. Um, and so God was unfaithful or wasn't telling me the truth or misled me or whatever and being, or being disappointed, you know, with God and all of that can really invite soul sickness, um, because it's like a hardness of heart and you feel like you can't really believe the scriptures and you can't trust him. And, um, so a lot of times you can, you'll, you'll maybe have to try to trace the thought and the behaviors or the beliefs back and kind of go, what happened? Where did we get off? What am I believing about God? What am I believing about myself? You know, am I getting enough scripture? You know, what am I believing about other people um, to sort of understand when you got off 
um, you know, when you went off road, I guess to say, um, in your spirit and, and just to make sure that you're taking care of your spirit, man, and making sure that you've got good boundaries in place. You're getting enough word. You're staying spiritually fit. You're, you're getting fed. You're in communion and in community with other believers to sharpen you, to keep you sharp. Um, so that we're all kind of going in the same direction and pursuing Jesus and running our race with endurance, looking away from everything that would distract, avoiding sin and, and those temptations and things that will pull us off of the road and, and pull us off of, um, our race with the Lord, like it just, it takes, you know, it really does take awareness, really, um, making sure that you're spiritually fit takes, you, you really can't do it on autopilot. You can't do it half asleep and it doesn't happen when you're not being intentional. That kind of goes for all self-care. All self-care has to be intentional. Otherwise it won't happen. If you don't prioritize taking care of your spiritual self, your mental and emotional self and health, your physical health, it doesn't happen. It's not just like this passive thing that just picks you up and carries you into a, a, a state of being, you know, well cared for. You have to be intentional about caring for your spirit as you have to be intentional about caring for your mental and emotional well-being, as well as being intentional about caring for your physical body. Um, And so some best practices, right? What are some things that we can do to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves spiritually, that we are, you know, staying spiritually fit and ready to go and, you know, we're prepared for every good, every good task that the Lord has for us. I have a few for you. And again, not exhaustive or comprehensive. These are just some of the things that I found that are are very helpful. Um, And so the first is gratitude. I have fallen in love with gratitude. <laughs> um, I love gratitude so much. I did not know that just like a little, I don't know. I didn't know it was so powerful, <laughs> which sounds really dumb and shallow, but gratitude is kind of like everything, man. Um, gratitude is the antidote to discontentment. It's the antidote for discontentment. Um, sometimes you'll, I know I will feel stuck or like there's not progress happening or what even happened this year. Did I accomplish any of my goals? Did I do anything, you know, that was worthwhile and, um, pausing and just recounting the things that have occurred, the things that I, I, I'm grateful for in my life, um, just breathes this sense of like, thank you, Jesus. Like, God, you're so good. And it's this sort of recounting the Lord's faithfulness because a lot of times, um, we've talked on this podcast before about the, the sort of disgusting lie of by now you should, whatever, 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 fill in the blank. Um, and that is so a tactic of the enemy. Um, and we can feel like by now we should be a ton of different things, different people, different places, financially X, Y, and Z, whatever. Um, and that it can make us feel, it can just stir up discontentment in our hearts. Um, but the truth of the matter is that God's faithfulness is just, it's its too great to list out. But one of my favorite things is to write down everything that I'm grateful for. Um, one particular time, I just got back from college and was just like, super frustrated, like uber frustrated with the state of my life in all of its many domains. Um, and I just sort of sat down and wrote down everything that I was grateful for having in my life. And that included people, it included experiences, it included funny moments, it included books that I'd read and songs that I loved and, um, I don't know, progress that I had actually made, you know, and to have that in pages, you know, in front of me was just such an amazing sort of like clap back at the enemy's lie of nothing happened. What does it even go? You know, because it, it just discontentment eats at your hope. Um, and when you have no hope, you kind of just shrivel up and die. 
you don't expect anything. You don't, you know, extend your faith for anything. You don't believe God for anything. You kind of just exist. And that's not really living. But um, when you're grateful for the things that God has done, when you're looking at all the things that God has done, all the things that he's given you, all the people that he's blessed you with and granted you the privilege of knowing and being connected to, um, you you get your hope up. You know, you're like, man, it's going to be a good year. If God did that in 2017, my gosh, I can't imagine what 2018 is going to look like because we go from glory to glory and we go from strength to strength. Um, and so even though 2018 may look very different, even though, you know, the next season of your life may look very different, you can know that God is going to build bigger and better muscles in you. Um, and that's exciting. That's exhilarating. Um, so gratitude. It's awesome. I love it. Um, one of my favorite verses right now is Psalms 92, and I believe it's verse two, maybe one and two. It says, it's a good and delightful thing to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises with musical accompaniment to your name, O Most High, to show forth your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. And I just love this, like, from the time that you wake up to the time that you go to sleep, you're just so enthralled and aware of the goodness of God. And I just, it just pricks my heart a little bit, like, man, Jalon, God has done so much for you. Um, that like you could really just be dancing and singing and just moving around in life joyously because of all the good. And guys, I'm not talking about like, yo, I went to Uganda this year, which is great. I did go to Uganda. Um, and it is one of the things that I'm grateful for, but I'm grateful for a good relationship with my parents. I'm grateful that me and my brother laugh a lot. I'm grateful that I can sit with friends and do nothing and I just feel full. I'm grateful for poetry. You know, it's just like whatever the things are that make me happy, those are gifts. And I acknowledge them as such. And I acknowledge the gift giver because he loves me so much that he gives me things that are not eternal, (laughs) that mean nothing for eternity. That's just his way of loving on me. And that means everything. So gratitude, I think, is a a best practice for your spirit and for spiritual self-care. Um, I believe in, in worship and I believe in worship because there's just something about, it just, it's almost like, (laughs) this sounds bad. It's almost like a toilet flush for your soul and your spirit. (laughs) Um, there's something about just singing and losing yourself in words that are truth that I think just sort of like decontaminate. They just kind of like, I don't know. It just sort of gets all the guck up out of you and it just helps realign your focus with the word and with truth and and God. It's like, it just primes your heart. It's almost like it tills the soil of your heart. It just gets up all the rocks out and weeds and stuff so that you can receive whatever God wants to say and do for you. And, and sometimes spirit or I'm sorry, sometimes worship is for your spirit to just get like cleared out. You know, sometimes it's for your focus to be realigned. Um, sometimes it's because God is not sometimes it's always because God is worth it. (laughs) It's always because God is worth it. But I, I think, oh man, worship is just such a two way process that like you're proclaiming the goodness of God and it's obviously elevating God and exalting him, but in your heart, it's just doing something super good. (laughs) It's like tenderizing your heart, I guess. Um, but worship is an awesome thing to do when you're frustrated when you're exhausted when you don't know what else to do. Like, man, go worship and get lost in truth and lost in God and his presence, because that's ultimately going to elevate your perspective. Um, and, and sort of bring you back into being aware of the truth and the, the reality of God and, and who he is and who he is to you in that situation. Um, another best practice that um, is near and dear to my heart that took me a while to learn um, is that knowing is that you have to know that God likes you. 
<laughs> as well as loves you. Um, I think it's sort of easy for us to believe that God loves us out of some sort of paternal father figure obligation. Like, you're my dad, you have to love me. You know, I'm your kid, you obviously have to love me, but you don't necessarily like me. It's not like you want to spend all your free time with me or anything like that. And we know the difference. We know the difference between loved and being liked. And we want to be both, you know. Um, so believing that God likes you is huge. Um, I really encourage you um, to be honest and be like, do I think God likes me? And to explore that with him. Um, Because the scriptures talk about how much he loves you and all the things that he's done for you because he loves you. Um, And when you love somebody out of obligation, there's a very, I mean, you do the bare minimum for them. You're just like, I don't like you right now. I'm not going to kill you. You know, that's about it. You know, the love, the love of God constrains me. <laughs> um, when you like them, like you want them to be happy and you want to see them smile and you want to spend time with them and, and God feels that way about you. And so um, I told you guys a couple of months ago to ask God, you know, what do you love about me? But I really want to challenge you to ask him, what does he like about you? You know, why do you like me? What do you like about me? You know, um, and explore that with him. Um because that's that's going to be a really rewarding situation for you. I guarantee it. Um, and then the last thing um, that's a really best practice. That's one of my favorite best practices. It's like Oprah's giveaway, Oprah's favorite things. Um, I think one of the best things that we can do for our spirit, um, aside from all the other things I've mentioned, <laughs> is to refute condemnation. Um, so often after we fall, after a misstep, after we sin, we pull on Adam and Eve, we cut and run, um, and increase this or create a separation between us and God. And, um, it's cause we, we, like, we feel like we don't deserve to be in fellowship with him anymore. Like we've caused a breach. We've got to go. This is how it goes. You know, you mess up, you remove yourself, um, and sometimes we believe that's how God feels too. Like, yeah, go. Sin cannot dwell in my presence, you know? Um, but the reality is that while maybe you were caught off guard by your sin and misstep, maybe everybody else never saw you doing what you did, um, God was not surprised. And he had already made provision a millennia ago um, by sending a son to die on the cross to cover your sins and to offer you forgiveness. Um, and so provision has already been made for the forgiveness of sins. Um, and I used to struggle with kind of this idea of not having to work back into good graces or into God's good graces after I sinned. Like I was like, oh, I know it was wrong. I know what I did. I should not have done. And I'm sorry. And I didn't want to do that thing. And I didn't want to hurt God. Um, but now I've got to work to get back into right relationship with him, which is backwards. And like, you know, you have all these scriptures, your righteousness is as filthy rags and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I gotta, I gotta try to get better. I've got to try to earn my way back into the throne room, into being God's friend again, because I messed up. Um, but the reality of our covenant, like the way my covenant set up though, um, <laughs> is that Christ died once and for all, for all the sin of the world, but everybody that has come and will come, he died and covered that. Um, and so we're kind of like perpetually in right relationship with him because we've accepted Christ's sacrifice. Um, and so this whole idea of like, you've been removed, now you got to work your way back into the Holy of Holies. You got to go through all the layers and levels is a lie. And it's a lie from the pit of hell. And it's just like this lie that Satan created to keep us out of fellowship with the father who's like wanting us to come back and wanting us to, you know, hey, Lord, I messed up. I repent. I'm sorry. You know, and I just thank you for your forgiveness. Like, one of the ways that uh, my mom always sort of described it to me is that, okay, you got, you fell off your horse, 
you get back up and get back on your horse and you decide that that's, we're not doing that again. You know, you, you sin, you fell, we get up, we keep moving. Um, and that's really how simple it is. You repent, you make, you know, if you've made a mistake that in, involves someone else, obviously you need to go make that right with them. But um, he doesn't condemn you. Go and sin no more. And so condemnation is really a tool of the enemy. And it's something that we have to constantly push back against. So you go forward, you get back on your horse, you continue to live out of your redeemed nature, out of the righteousness of God planted on the inside of you in his spirit. Um, You make it right with whoever you need to make it right with, but he doesn't condemn you. So refute condemnation. That's, it doesn't come from God. (laughs) Condemnation does not come from God. So um, I'm a fan of whenever you're purposing to sort of change a behavior or belief of having scriptures and sort of like resources to help you, um, stay on track and, you know, like just renew your mind to the truth. Um, some scriptures that I'm loving that I love for kind of like refuting condemnation, Ephesians 2, 6 through 7, it's one of my favorites. Um, Romans 8, 1, there's not no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Um, John three seventeen. the son of man did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. First um, John 4, 18, um, perfect love casts out all fear because a lot of times when we're like, I need to get away from Jesus, it's not rooted in this idea that we're loved, we are that we are his beloved. It's rooted in this idea that we're kind of like the stepkid that's got red hair or something. Redheaded stepkid, is that the saying? Anyway, um, and then Colossians 2, 13 through 14, which talks about the, the charges that were brought against us, Christ nailed to the cross when he died. Um, and so those are some verses that I really love when it comes to like renewing your mind to the truth about condemnation and how there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Um, and then some scriptures or not scriptures, I'm sorry, some songs that I'm really enjoying right now that just kind of really emphasize the love of God and his posture towards us. Um, I love, love, love. Oh, come to the altar by elevation music. Such a good song, y'all. So good. Like if you just, I'm a word nerd. So when I say word nerd, I mean, I love the scriptures like the word, but I also just like words and that one, like when you listen to the words, it's just so good. So good. Like I'm starting to like sing it in my head. Um, and then I recently discovered Reckless Love by Corey Asbury. Um, I don't know if I'm saying his last name right, but hopefully I am. I hope I'm not butchering that. Um, that's a really good one too. Words like, I don't know if people like love the way songs sound, but don't like the words, but man, you listen to the words of this. It's so, so good. Um, so love that. Um, really great song. Awesome verses to just put on your mirror, put on your dashboard in your car, whatever to sort of renew your mind to the truth that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And because you are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation for you. So those are the best practices that um, I have as far as like self-care, taking care of your spirit man, making sure that it's in um, the best condition possible. Filling yourself up um, in quiet time is absolutely essential. Making sure that you're reading and spending time with the Lord and worshiping and praying and having people around you that are just like the benefit or are there to benefit your spirit, man. It's just so, so, so good. Um, Being surrounded by other believers is essential. And to be honest, you guys, I didn't know how important community was until I went to college and had like nothing but people that were my age around me that were like running hard for God like I was or running harder. I really began to understand why it was so important to be surrounded by like-minded people. Um, Because for so long, I was kind of (laughs) like one of a few people that was like for real, for real about Jesus um, as a high school kid. So um, getting to college and and realizing what community does for your faith and for pushing you to go harder, is just beautiful. Um, And so I encourage you, you know, get you some friends that add to your life. Um, 
And then, you know, checking your soul out, doing evaluation, seeing like, do I have discontentment going on? Is there unforgiveness in the fence? Like, I totally just had to do this, you know, today, last week, this week to just sort of be like, oh, there's some offense there. I need to let that go. I need to work on that, you know. Um, just checking the spiritual strength of, of yourself and what that looks like and where you could tighten up in some areas, what you need to do to adjust and to be where God is calling you to be. Um, and then, you know, practice gratitude, worship, know that God likes you, be anchored in that truth and, and push back on the enemy's lies and condemnation because he's just trying to drag you down and keep you from fulfilling everything that God has said that you will do. Um, so that's it for spiritual self-care. I know it's a little bit different from our other talks about self-care, but our spirit man is quite different from our mental and emotional state and kind of needs different things. So, um, but I hope it was a good time. I hope you got something out of it and that like you will go forward and use some of the things that, you know, we talked about on the podcast today. If you have any other cool ideas, I'll be posting on social media this week about the podcast, just reminding everybody if they haven't listened to it to, you know, go ahead and, and, and go take a listen. So if you're connected with me on social media, comment some of the things that you do to take care of your spirit. Um, because it's it's huge. Anything that you do that I didn't mention, we all need, right? Like we're all members of the body. We have something that each other needs inherently in each of us. So definitely comment, connect with me on social media so that you don't miss that post. Um, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast so that you're able to um, get it when it's released, that you get a little notification and you don't miss any episodes. Also, if you haven't subscribed, or I'm sorry, if you haven't liked it, please do that. Rate it for me so I know, you know, what you like or what you don't like and, you know, can just better suit your needs. But it also helps other people that are looking for truth and, you know, biblical feminism find it. I'm so glad that someone put that in the um in one of their reviews, because that's what I'm all about, all about biblical feminism. So um, use that phrase, man. I think that would shock the world just a little bit. So rate the podcast. I've seen some of the ratings already come through. Thank you. Thank you so much. And just a reminder, because Christmas falls on a Monday, there will be no podcast on the 25th. Um, Enjoy your families, make memories, be present. That's what I'm going to be doing. So I will actually see you guys or not see you, but I'll talk to you in 2018. So I'm excited. It's going to be a phenomenal year because Jesus is in it, right? Um, So I love you. You make it an amazing week. The way that your week goes is completely in your hands. God has already given you victory. He's already conquered everything the day is going to throw at you on Monday, today. Um, He already has the victory. You already have the victory. It is sweatless. He's already provided it for you. So you just walk in the confidence that God has already done the thing and worked it out for you. And you boss it out this week. See y'all later. Bye. (laughs) 